This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. It's time for football. Salah. Let's take Cancelo off. Brilliant from Mo Salah. And still, Salah. Oh, sensational. Absolutely sensational. Just for kicks on BFM 89.9. Hello, and it's exciting times in football. Yes, that's right. Premier League's going to be back in 10 days' time. Um, But before that, we've got some World Cup stuff to get through. We're going to review two semifinals and preview one final. Uh, But don't worry, it's more than just three matches. There are going to be plenty of matches. We're going to look back at the World Cup with our three pundits, who are, uh, there's fiddling with his microphone. Please stop doing that, Bob. Bob Holmes. Hi, everybody. Good to be here. Great to have you. Very professional sounding there. And uh, we have Goglin. Hello, everyone. Good to be back. Um, and the World Cup is swinging on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, speaking of which, we have in Qatar itself, um, Des Corkill. Uh, yes, the Doha Odyssey is close to ending. And I'm prepping for the ASEAN Championships, which starts next week as well. So um, loads of football coming on, as well as the English game that I'm sure we'll talk about. Yeah, I, I'm not ready to start talking about Brighton v Aston Villa or something. I just, I, I can't do it. I, I don't know about you. It's well, both they both got players playing in the World Cup final, so we ought to think about it. Well, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, but you know, I mean, Goglin, you're a Villa fan, but even you, could you start talking about Aston Villa right now? No, Mike's fully on Emmy and Messi, and you know, yeah. Emmy and Gang. You know, yeah, I can't precipice of greatness. Yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of which, oh, oh, Bob, yeah. Yes, I'm going to cut in here. Um, My first game is uh, midweek, Blackburn Rovers Carabao Cup. So, uh, you know, we don't even have to wait a week, some of us. Yours is really coming up soon. (laughs) Okay. Look, Bob, I I mean, because the first match I want to talk about is Argentina Croatia. So we'll leave Blackburn Rovers to one side for now. (laughs) So. We're going to look back at the um, the semifinals. And the first one is Argentina 3, Croatia 0. Uh, later on, we're going to talk about the finals. So we'll probably talk more about Argentina then. But obviously, we have to now. And um, Des, you were, were you in the stadium? Uh, no, not for this one, oh. sadly. I was watching this from the International Broadcast Centre. But um, the, the thing I want to talk about is the penalty. Uh, that opened the opened the scoring for Argentina. Messi dispatched it beautifully, but what is the goalkeeper meant to do? He is static when he's come out. The player runs into him, and very few people. I know some one or two pundits have suggested that it's a, a harsh penalty. I'm looking at that. What is the goalkeeper meant to do? Jump out the way, um, uh, make himself invisible, become inert, lose all his atoms, and. I have no idea what the goalkeeper is meant to do there. He's got to come out and try and block the shot. It's Nick past him, and he is standing statically still. And yet everybody just seems to be saying, oh, it's it's a clear penalty. And I'm, I'm absolutely of, of the other um, side of things. I, I don't think it is a penalty. And then the messy magic happens after that. But the whole game changes on that decision to award Argentina a penalty. They then go and score and deserve the place in the final, but it all depends on the first goal. I'm astonished 
the more hasn't been made of that decision, which, which I just thought was was crazy. I have no idea what the goalkeeper is meant to do in that circumstance other than disappear. Yeah, well, I guess a lot was made of it in the UK. Uh, there was a, a blazing row on TV between uh, Peter Walton, who's the apologist for VAR, and all three of the uh, ex-footballers. Uh, You've got were, to name the names. I mean, uh, Roy Keane, Roy Keane uh, Gary Neville, Gary. and Alan Shearer, wasn't it? I yeah. Think. No, no, Alan, Shearer, Alan Shearer's on BBC. Uh, um, well, Roy Keane can have an argument in a yeah, phone box he, on well, his own. He usually has an argument with Gary Neville, but yeah. on, this time they were on the same side. And um, they felt very strongly that it wasn't a penalty. Uh, so there has been quite a bit of debate about this. And so I'm in good company then. Oh, I, excellent. There hasn't, yeah, yeah, there hasn't been there, any mention here no, at no, all. There's been a lot of chatter about that penalty. It was very. I mean, if I was an Argentina fan, and if that had happened to Argentina, I would be really pissed off. Also, right? It's, it's it was a really soft penalty to give. I I didn't even expect it to be a penalty until the ref pointed it to the point of the spot. So, and I, and on hindsight, after replays and replays and replays, yes, the the people are saying if it happens anywhere else on the pitch, it's a foul. So you know, I think okay. the outstretched leg is what the what uh, most than anything else that is what the ref gave on. But he's trying to but, save, isn't he? I mean, he was, he was trying to save, but the the foul was based on that outstretched leg. Okay, we've gone down. When you can actually compare what happened in the Morocco game, the penalty that wasn't given yeah. at the other end, um, we'll we'll talk about that. I, I, I'm just. Well, we're going to talk about it, but not, for, not for very long because we've we've gone down that Des Cork Hill VAR penalty <laughs> shout road again for five minutes. I want to talk about Croatia because they have been surely, uh, Bob, the most consistent uh, national team for the last 10 years. And this could probably be the last time we see them reach such heights. Um Yes, we were saying, you know, hard done by with a penalty shout and everything, but they, they've 3-0. They were not really beaten by 3-0, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it wasn't a 3-0, definitely not. No, um, it was a it was a grudging 2-1, I think. Uh, that that sort of thing, you know, is well, that's, that's, narrow. Well, the, their first shot on goal was in the 84th or 5th minute, so. That's all you need. Mm. <laughs> but uh, you, you say in the last 10 years, I think it's uh, just about their entire existence as a country. Mm. Uh, I mean, they only came into being in the 90s, didn't they? And the, uh, the first uh, tournament was the Euro, Euro 96, which England hosted. And uh, they came third in that, I believe. Davos Suka's uh, tournament, that was. And... Uh, Okay, I think they have missed one World Cup since then, but uh, they've been there or thereabouts. And for four million people, it is truly incredible. And but do they and have a new generation coming up? I mean, I, I don't know. Anyone they, know? They have. Yeah, they're already yeah. there. Juranovic yeah. um, is only a teenager. Guardial, who's still busy, he's twenty. He's, he's 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 only twenty. So um, and a lot of their t- a lot of their players, Modric apart, are in their their mid twenties. So. Uh, the, the superstars are, are are getting on a bit, but um, no, they, they've got a chance. But I'd, I'd like to just uh, pick up on what Gog said. I thought they were desperately fortunate to get through against Brazil. And um, they, they survived a bit of a hammering against Argentina as well after conceding that opening um, goal. They, they don't uh, concede many goals, but they don't create many opportunities either. Uh, the, love, the love fest for Croatia is a bit overdone as far as I'm concerned. Walking football. I mean, to be fair, if they had gone to the <laughs> final, you know, 
it, it, it's uh, again you, they have a golden generation but your guess is right if you're looking for flair I mean the love fest for Croatia is just that you know they made it there being playing that football and it's not a sight for sore eyes <laughs> yeah really uh, it's not pretty no yeah well we're probably going to talk more about that later when we when we at, look back at the tournament and see if Des Corkill was right about you know attacking football is the way to go boo um but we'll take a short break and in a moment we're going to come back and talk about the other semi-final uh that happened here on just for kicks on bfm 89.9 more football when we come back just for kicks bfm 89.9 just for kicks on bfm 89.9 and we're back with bob des and goglin we're talking semi-final right now and the other semi-final featured france to morocco nil again we're probably going to talk more about france in a moment but Let's have some love for Morocco. Gogolin, you, um, I don't know about you, but I, I, as a Malaysian, I kind of felt like, I kind of felt like Morocco was playing as Malaysia. I don't know. It's, it, was, it was a crazy thing. I think Morocco was playing at home, if you ask me. I mean, the, the support for Morocco in that stadium. And I think around the world, actually, to be fair, you know, Morocco is the, the story of the tournament. And they, 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 they haven't played like Croatia. They've actually played some good football. Desperately unlucky to not score. No, I think their finishing was just a bit lacking. If they had taken chances, I mean, it was. I think the commentator put it right. You know, when uh, Mbappe had that chance, he took the shot, and the other striker had the chance. I can't remember his name. Had the what's his name? Uh, that's you have his name, right? What's his name? Uh, Hamdala. Hamdala. Yeah. So Hamdala had that big chance. You know, I was really surprised he didn't pull the trigger there. And you know, and the, for five minutes later, Mbappe had the similar chance. He pulls the trigger. The deflection goes to a. French player and they score. So I think that is the quality that was missing. But, you know, the way those players have come up in the global scene right now, every club is licking their lips, you know, and, and in the transfer market, you know, everything's being talked about. You know, these players are what upright and all that. So Morocco, the story of the tournament, great football. Okay, Des. So perhaps attacking football is the best way to go when playing against superior opponents. Uh, I, I concede, okay? <laughs> Firstly, there were a couple of Malaysian flags knocking around the Albaid Stadium for, were, for the yeah. semi-final and the uh, game against uh, Portugal as well. So you're quite right that the whole um, the, the whole underdog world pulled together behind Morocco, and they they did their country, they did themselves proud. There's um, there's a lot of investment has been put into Moroccan football. Uh, they've got a big diaspora, around about four or five million outside of the country. Most of their players are playing abroad, but Nearly all of them uh, started off in the system in Morocco. There's, there's a, a good infrastructure there. It's not an accident that they are where they are. They've got a strong domestic league, um, a good pyramid. There's good depth to their league. Uh, they've got a, 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 the diaspora to pick upon, and they've got fine um, um, talent uh, spotting in the in the early stages. So this is not an accident that Morocco are doing well. There's countries such as Malaysia who can look at Morocco and, and, and try and uh, get the domestic system right and improve their football. The diaspora does help them. As I say, nearly all the players are playing abroad. But yeah, they, they had a go. What they didn't have, ironically, was um, the defensive solidity of Roman Seiss. He was playing uh, on one leg for the whole of the match against France and uh, he had to come off and when he went off the replacement uh, Akraf Dari had already made a mistake and Akraf was uh, found to be um, 
missing. So they didn't have the defensive base, but my word, they had a go at France. They had more chances. Loris got an eight out of 10 uh, from L'Equipe, the, the French sporting paper, as he did against England, must be said. And Morocco will go home desperately, desperately ruining the chances that they didn't take uh, because this was a chance for them to truly, truly make history. And yet uh, France, once again, got a job done despite being second best. Yeah, uh, Bob, France. France got just, just ridiculous depth. And and even players that, quite frankly, I've not heard of. Colo Maoni um, uh, pops up and scores a goal. Uh, who Who is he? I mean, obviously I know, but I'm just thinking, you know, for the, for the listeners at home who are much more ignorant than me. Well, he plays for Eintracht Frankfurt. Um, and uh, he'd obviously been on uh, Didier Deschamps' radar for a while. Uh, it was a tap-in, um, wasn't it? I mean, he didn't have to do much, but he was there. Uh, yeah, they do have a tremendous amount of depth. And they uh, started this uh, academy at Clairefontaine back in the days of Gerard Houllier. And he deserves a bit of credit for this, actually. Uh, I mean, he uh, they started their, they got their um, academy going about a generation before England got St. George's Park going, and England are already seeing the benefits of that. So France have been a generation ahead. They won the World Cup in 98, and uh, they, they got the final of the Euros in uh, 2016, and uh, they won the World Cup in 2018, and they're in the final in 2022. So that's, uh, those are the fruits of uh, such a system. And we, everyone knows that the French League, the Ligue 1, is um, not in the same class as the Premier League, the Bundesliga, or the Italian or Spanish leagues. It's very much the fifth league in standard in uh, Europe. And no Frenchman would, would argue that. But it doesn't mean they haven't got the players. The players are scattered about the world. I mean, some of them are playing in Ligue 1, uh, obviously, but... Uh, they are getting experience all around, but they're finding the talent in the um, in the young players, and they're developing it, and that's the trick. They uh, they make the most of that raw talent. They've got these banlieu, they call those sort of back streets like barrios in South America, uh, slums basically, or poor neighborhoods, working class areas. A lot of immigrants from North Africa, uh, and uh, it's a real cultural mix, the team. It was in 98, actually, mm. but it, and it is again now. But the, the, uh, if, you, if you get a good, strong manager, you can mold a team out of that. Different races, different religions, different backgrounds, potentially incendiary mix, an incendiary mix. But, and they have blown up occasionally. Mm. But, but uh, strong management... And just let them play the game, show no bias, and this is the result. So, yes, they've got the depth and they've harnessed it very well. So, uh, yeah, all credit to them. Although I think that um, this team is, uh, is probably not quite as good as 2018. I just think it's a shade um, less than that. They don't have Angola Kante. They don't have Pogba. Um, they don't have Benzema. But they've made up very, very well. Wait, uh, Bob uh, Goglin just said they don't have N'Golo Kante and they don't have Pogba, but they got Anton Griezmann, who appears to be 
both those players and more. He's a bit of Andre Pirlo as well. And uh, it, it's got, it seems to be, what position is he? What does he... I, I think I think uh, Griezmann has reinvented, reinvented himself in this World Cup, you know, because, you know, the way he's playing, he is the Kante. You know, he, the, I've, I, mean, I was watching that semi-final and he was everywhere, closing down players, that the amount of energy levels he was had. So he, he I think he has reinvented himself as the Kante for this uh, Deschamps side. What do you he think? was only playing for half an hour, you know, up until this World Cup, practically. Yeah, he was only, exactly. only allowed to play for 30 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Seems Remember to be the way that? to go. <laughs> Hey, uh, Des, uh, I, I want to follow on something that you 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 play football at the highest level, both you and Goglin. And uh, I want to just <laughs> I, w- I want to put a theory out there that uh, so um, Bob was talking about the French game. One of the things about the French game is they play that they play this uh, urban concrete football. It's very popular. The players like Mares grew up on it, and uh, and the the Croatian team uh, also grew up playing water polo. Croatia is one of the top, is the top water polo uh, country in the world. And Brazilians are famously um, play on beaches, bare feet on sand, which is apparently very hard to do. Do you think other disciplines are useful to, to hone your skills? It all it all starts with the culture. It all starts with kids playing football and uh, the, the old um, playing 10,000 hours is the official management route, but play, play, play when, you, when you're young. Um, get into structured football uh, in, in, in your early teens, and the results are, are apparent for everyone to see. Um, uh, the Croatian kids, you, you talk to Boyan Hodak, and uh, football is just the rigour. It's the place to, to, to um, uh, where, where, where kids can find some relief. It's the entertainment. In France, again, I don't think it's... Um, uh, a real surprise. There's a, a a lot of these players are coming out of the urban sprawl around uh, the outskirts of Paris um, and around Marseille, where football is a release. Uh, in the old days, in in the United Kingdom, it, it used to be the genuine working class game. You've just got to get kids playing football. I keep coming back to to Malaysia, and kids don't play enough football. It's not on the agenda. They're not um, playing in school. Uh, it, it's difficult to see kids playing football. There are academies, yes, but you've just got to have a ball at your feet from a very very young age. That just has not changed over the years. It goes back to kids being uh, comfortable on the ball. And then as they get older, you're not teaching them when they're 18 how to trap a ball because they've learned that when they're six. Um, yeah, that hasn't changed at all. Yeah. But in the English game, the, I mean, we'll move on to talk a bit about, more about France in a moment. But uh, the English game, uh, there's a concentration on streamlining players really young and then playing in teams to, to win games as opposed to learning those skills just for the sake of it. I, understand. Uh, I think the coaches, uh, I think uh, education coaches disagree with that. There's, there's less focus on winning games in in, uh, in your 10, 11, 12-year-olds. It becomes more focused when you hit 13. Um, but that that's the big sea change of what's gone in the UK. But number one is more kids are playing football. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to take a break now and a moment come back and we're going to talk the final. The final, which is going to be, well, France and Argentina uh, here on Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. More football when we come back. Just for Kicks, BFM 89.9. Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. And we're back and we're talking World Cup final in the month of December, which makes a lot of sense. Um, It's going to be France versus Argentina. And uh, Goglin, 
I want to ask you first, Gogolin, a long time ago, you said that you thought Argentina was going to win the World Cup. And I laughed at you. And uh, and then a few months later, you said it again. I laughed again because it just seemed so ridiculous. But you were right. And I mean, do you feel vindicated as in watching this Argentina? Are they playing the way you imagined Argentina would play? Or are they just sort of, I don't know, making it up as they go along and just pass it to Messi? <laughs> I think everybody thinks that's the way they're going on. But this team, you know, is is coming to age in a way that they're, you know, they're playing in, everyone has stood up, step, stepped up to there. Look at Alvarez, you know, how he, he he feeds off that Messi game, you know. Messi is the story, yes, but he is not, he's not pulling the team. He's playing with a, with a verve and fervor that is, you know, with a smile on his face. And also that grit that was missing, you know, everybody, the Argentina has always said that Messi was too nice before. Now he's playing with that, Grit, you know, he's 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 getting into his, you know, tackles. He's he has that, you know, how he told of Van Gaal. I don't know what he was saying to Van Gaal the other day, apparently, but apparently, you know, the way he went off to Van Gaal and told him off and all that. So there's a different Messi now. It's a, it's a, it's a more mature Messi, and it's also harder Messi. So that is Messi. But the whole team has come together, you know. And I always said losing that first game might actually have been a bonus for uh, Argentina, you know, because it it takes that it takes that edge off them, and it starts getting them, and they're building into this tournament. I'm, I've said before, tournament teams are different. You have to play in a different way. And, you know, Morocco uh, exemplified it. They were a tournament team. They played as a unit. They played every game as it was their last game. And it showed. And, and they did not give respect on the field. You know, they, they took off Spain, Belgium, you know. So it wasn't given. And Argentina now are, are showing that, are coming together. They have that belief. And then it's, the tactics are completely now all out of the window. It's that belief that's going to take you to the final, that mental game. Well, Gogolin's a believer. Uh, Bob, are you a believer? Argentina, what do you, what, I, I mean, I don't know. They are good, but I felt that there were other better teams. Are they, how do you think? Uh, well, good, but not great. Um, great in, uh, in moments when Messi's got the ball. Uh, I think it's, uh, a case of, uh, him, uh, not exactly carrying them, but leading them, um, He's uh, he surprised me actually in this because I I didn't expect him to have quite the influence. Uh, I mean his performance against Croatia, uh, taking Guardiol to the cleaners like that, was absolutely incredible for a 35 year old, and he's he's still got it. You know, uh, he does stuff that no one even dreamt of doing, and I think he's um, he's making me agonise over my. Uh, Belief that Pele was the greatest of all time. Ooh. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm reviewing it um, until the final. I, I'm prepared to give it to Messi. I think if we if we see um, some magic in the final, because his uh, he's lasted longer than anybody else. I was comparing him with uh, Maradona uh, the other day for a piece, and it's absolutely no contest. He wins on uh, on every count except the World Cup uh, winners' medal, which he's probably about to get. I mean, in terms of number of goals, he scored uh, more than double uh, Maradona's uh, number of goals. Uh, whatever whatever yardstick you use, the Ballon d'Or, Messi has won it seven times. Maradona, none. Literally, never what? Never won it. No. 
I never won a recount. Very, That's... very different eras. Yeah, yeah different. it was a different time then. Even yeah. Pele, right? Because yeah. they didn't give it to non-European players then also then, right? All right. Who, but... who the hell did win it then? I mean... Well, who, well, well Gary Lineker. Uh, yeah, Michael <laughs> Owen. Michael <laughs> Owen has won it. Um, well, worthy, worthy. George Best. Johan Cruyff, yes. Uh, no Maradona. No, no, no Maradona. He was theoretically um, a midfielder, Maradona. Well, he was a number 10. He was a classic number 10. Um, but, yeah, getting back to uh, getting back to the final in Argentina, yeah. Um, I think there are teams as good, uh, teams that have been knocked out, probably as good, but they don't have a Messi. And these games, they're very tight. The standard is... Uh, is is leveling up. You see teams like Morocco, 22nd in the world, um, who can give a, a game, you know, as, as good a game practically as anybody else. Uh, but w- one incident, controversial sometimes, as Des says, penalty, controversial penalty decision is the difference. So anything can happen. And these games are decided on moments of magic, often bad luck sometimes, but magic in other cases. And Messi has got the magic. So he's capable. Even if he only has uh, a a couple of of those moments, it could be enough to swing it. And he did feel his hamstring in that game. And it's possible that he's not 100% fit. Mm. But I think if he was on his deathbed, he'd still turn out on on Sunday night Mm. uh, for this. Nothing is going to stop him. Shades of original Ronaldo against France in 98. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think I, I, would, I would say probably France are, are slightly the better team, but because of Messi, I'm leaning towards Argentina because well, it will only take a minute. Yeah, France have this fellow called Kylian Mbappe, who I understand is quite good as well. But Des, you, you've now seen uh, Lionel Messi and Argentina in the flesh. And... I, you, the other day you were talking about the physicality. You, you used the word physicality a lot um, of the players. And I always thought of Lionel Messi as being a quite a small guy, but he's, he's my, he, is he more physical and uh, than I imagine? He is incredibly strong. You, you, you can put the biggest fellas against him when he's got the ball at his feet, he will protect that ball. He's good enough to ride two or three challenges and just lay the ball off. I, the other thing I, I, I've seen is he doesn't actually do a lot of work. He conserves his energy. And that's one of the great things about this Argentine team. Yes, Messi's made the news, but he's, he's in the game for maybe 5% of it. The rest of the team are happy to know that the, the, the brilliance of Messi is there for them. And I, I think um, I'll take issue with Bob on this. I really do think this Argentine team are a team. You look at the backroom staff, nobody's talking about Scaloni, the, the coach, whereas you always used to talk about uh, Sampai, the previous coach. And Scaloni has kind of put these bits and pieces together with the help of Pablo Amar, Roberto Viola, and Walter Samuel, who are his very, very good assistants. And he's got all the team knowing that they've got this magical um, monster in Messi. And the team plays to him. They let him play on the right wing if he wants, on the left wing if he wants, uh, phased out of games if he wants. But they know Alexis McAllister will do his work in midfield. They've got the Beast Parades who'll do the dirty work so they can stand up if um, if if the physicality is is, is required. Um, but the, as Bob then said, the, the difference that they can have is that Messi can take on Guardiola, 
arguably the best defender in the World Cup until the 61st minute against Argentina. And um, he can he can destroy an individual player. He's taken the penalties. He's missed the penalty as well. Don't forget, if it's scored against Poland, he'd be the top scorer in this World Cup. He's, he's a remarkable, remarkable uh, player. To see him in the flesh is, is just fan- fantastic. And he is incredibly, incredibly strong. Wow. Okay. Hey, uh, Des, we've been, I don't know, Des, uh, Goglan, Goglan, we've been uh, gushing about Argentina. And now I'm so easily convinced that now I think, oh my God, Argentina are going to win 5 0. But uh, we haven't talked about France yet. France are very good. And um, each 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 person you, you mentioned there is a threat. I could imagine France being able to counteract that and raise you one with the likes of Mbappe and Griezmann. Um, I, th- I mean, I think France are toweringly good. Oh, yeah. I- I was, somebody asked me whether they, I would prefer as an Argentina fan uh, Morocco or France in the final and I said France because Argentina will raise their game against the likes of France and you know but you're right France are no pushovers and as Bob said they, they will go toe to toe they have Mbappe there they have Griezmann they have uh, Nande I mean they are stacked in every uh, department even when in depth they look stacked so yes they have a lot of cards to shuffle if they want to change the game well, whereas I don't think Argentina has that much of a depth in terms of that. They have a few players, but not as much as France. So France will give toe-to-toe, but the key will be the, the that midfield battle. If they win that midfield battle and they release Mbappe, because he will be switching on the left, and if uh, Giroud is playing up front, and then if Giroud is not playing, then he will be playing up front. So the, you know, the, the Argentina defenders have their work cut out for him. And Griezmann is the joker in the pack, right? So I'm sorry, the ace in the pack, right? So he will, you, you never know what he's going to do. Mm, so he still hasn't. Uh, he still he still hasn't put his stamp out yet. So I think he will do that. In might do that in the final. Yeah. Hey Bob, um, France. They're they're very good. They are, um, and they've got a potentially the um, the best player of the next decade, Mbappe. Uh, he hasn't really fired in the last two games, but uh, as you said, he's neck and neck with uh, Messi for the. Uh, Golden Boot, they scored five each. Um, but even in those games, when both Morocco and England sort of patted themselves on the back as having kept him relatively quiet, his presence was enough to divert defenders and create space for others. Mm. And on two occasions, once against England and once against uh, Morocco, they scored. So even uh, just having him on the field, I think if he was, uh, you know, uh, in a wheelchair, uh, you know, a defense would probably send a couple of uh, fullbacks to, to marshal him or something. I mean, he's got that kind of reputation. So he is capable of absolute magic, and he produced it against Argentina four years ago in the round of 16 game, when an epic game when France won 4-3. It's worth a look, that one. I, even now, um, he he was absolutely brilliant in that. So he is also capable of rising to a another level. He's not messy, but he's he's probably the next best. I would say a better footballer than Haaland. I mean, he's compared with Haaland. Haaland may score more goals, but I think overall, Messi uh, um, Mbappe is yeah. more is more skillful. Uh, so you've got that. France do have an ace in the pack in Mbappe, yeah. and his his acceleration is quite something to behold. Yeah. Just over a few yards—that's sometimes all you need. 
And if he can, I mean, he's going to be fighting for his life in this. This is the World Cup final. So I think you're going to see something special from Mbappe in this. This is why I'm really looking forward to this. Yeah. So, Des, both teams have got magic. I mean, I I felt when I was watching England play France, I agreed entirely with Bob that even if Mbappe had been at home watching the match on TV, England still would have been trying to uh, contain him in the first half <laughs> and therefore losing their balance. So both teams have got magic, potential magic, but are, are either team going to try and counteract that or do you think they're just going to go play their game? Uh, Argentina showed in the match against Holland that um, they can they can play it mean and dirty and defensively. They've been very flexible in their um, uh, formations throughout this tournament. They played three at the back. They played five at the back. I think they might be a little bit scared of both Mbappe and, to be fair, uh, Dembele, even though Dembele hasn't really shone, but he's lightning quick down the right-hand side. So I'm anticipating Argentina to have a, quite a negative mindset in this and to... if. if possibly even play the three at the back system that served them in, in a couple of games so far. So um, I think they'll try and allow France to come at them because if you give Mbappe pace, um, space behind you uh, and you give the opportunity to get crosses in for Giroud, who's an immovable object, then th they could well uh, well suffer. So I don't see this being a classic. I see Argentina um, coming out as cage fighters in this one um, and trying to battle their way through to a victory and rely on a piece of messy magic to set something up for them. Whether or not they're good enough to defend with Otamendi and Romero, who are both um, a little bit iffy defensively, uh, I'm not quite sure. Uh, but they'll also, uh, Hugo Loris is due to drop a clanger. He's been wonderful so far. I just think Loris is such, such a, a liability sometimes. He got away with one against uh, England where he dropped across and bounced on it. So um, it's fascinating, but I can see France coming out to try to win this, Argentina to try to not lose it and pick something on, on the breakaway. Um, and difficult, really, obviously, of course, it is very difficult to choose a winner from that. But I'm going to make the three of you choose a winner now. Goglin, who's going to win this? What's the scoreline going to be? 2-1 Argentina. Okay. All right. He's pretty. He's been right so far. He, he said Argentina were going to get him. Bob, what about you? I agree. 2-1 Argentina. Oh. Des? A one-all penalty shootout. And um, I'm not quite sure who's, who's good <laughs> enough, but pro probably Argentina to take it and Messi to have his crowning glory. But um, I don't see it being a classic. I see the venue with, with a loose sail being a wonderful backdrop for it. Um, but I can't see this one being a classic because there's too much for, for Argentina to lose. I say penalty shootout, Argentina to take it. I say uh, France 3-0. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think whoever gets the first goal is going to be it's going to go all the way um okay and hopefully so, it's not a controversial one like the two semi-finals that's that's the key you hope that the the referee doesn't have um a big say in this or var doesn't have a say Giroud will do a header because uh argentina are just not set up to be anti-Giroud like where the hell did he come from um so okay uh, and in a moment we're going to come back and we're going to have an overview i'm going to find out what the guys have thought about the world cup and what the lessons have been learned so far here on just for kicks on bfm 89.9 more football when we come back just for kicks bfm 89.9 just for kicks on bfm 89.9 and we're back on part four and for these three pundits it's the final uh outing for them in world cup land uh, next time we see them, it'll be, it'll be Clubland. Um, 
And again, I, I really can't contemplate. I don't know. Burnley, are they in the Premier League? I can't remember. Um, and uh, I want to ask some questions of, of the three of you. What what you think the lessons have been learned? And, and first of all, I want to start with um, players. Standout players. I want to start with you, Gogolin. Uh, players who have caught your eye in this uh, tournament. You haven't necessarily heard of them before, or they could be um, old faithfuls. But any bit particular players that have really cropped up that we should keep an eye on who are going to get big uh, transfers to Manchester United and then fail? <laughs> I think the whole of the Morocco team are uh, the standout <laughs> players if you ask me, you know, if you're going to be shopping. I mean, Liverpool are already shopping in terms of that, in that space and I think United are uh, the Port- Portuguese, some of the Portuguese, Ramos, you know, he has stepped up, he has introduced himself to the world stage with that hat-trick. But you have to understand, this World Cup is different from the rest because it comes in the middle of a season instead of the end of the season. So the players are fresher, they are fitter, you know. So that that's why the quality of football actually has picked up a lot in this World Cup from the, I think, from 2018, if you ask me. The games are uh, much more exciting. There's much more um, thrilling, for, thrilling for the fans to watch and all that. But it also points, and I always say that fact is that, that, this comes in the in the middle of the season. The players are not knackered like the end of the season World Cup. So I don't know how that is going to affect the future World Cups because they, it might be a thing that FIFA is, decides to tinker with moving forward. But you know FIFA, they love to do the tinker. Yeah, but uh, the players are going to be exhausted for the rest of their season. Though. Um, it's FIFA, they don't really care about the players. Well, no, two, two World Cups every season. How about that? You know, that yeah. would suit FIFA, that's, wouldn't that's it? That's the Arsene Wenger model, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> World Cup every other week. Um, Bob, players that have caught your eye. Well, there's uh, new players and old players. I mean, Giroud, for example. Um, you've got to, you can't forget him, can you? Uh, 36 going on 37. Uh, new players, yes, definitely. Morocco. Uh, Amrabat, I think he's he's been outstanding. If I was picking a team of the tournament, I, um, players from different countries, uh, I, I would have him in uh, as a defensive midfielder. Um, right, there are players in the who've been knocked out. Uh, we we tend to forget. It's like they don't exist, isn't it? Some, sometimes um, the uh, the Japanese uh, player. Uh, Rowan, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Ditz, uh, what's his name? He's in Germany, doesn't he? Yeah, for for a sort of second-rate team in Germany, not even a regular Bochum. starter. I think it's Bochum. Yeah, but he, um, I mean, he he was really good. I thought he's he got a lot of potential. Um, Guardiola, despite um, Messi uh, twisting his blood, I think was the expression that George Best used um, about defenders who he who he took to the cleaners. Uh, despite that, um, I th- he was pretty impressive. I don't know if he wears a mask um, all the time or um, is he ever going to take it off, you know? But his mask certainly slipped, didn't it, on that occasion? Yeah, um, he will be forever he remembered. Not, he knocked, Messi knocked 30 million off his transfer fee. <laughs> um, but I reckon if clubs wanted to save money, they could... They could ask Messi to play against the players they're going to buy. And if he knocks 30 million <laughs> off each of them, you know, they, they'd be doing pretty well, wouldn't they? Mm. Um, unfair. I think an unfair comparison, Matt. Uh, player, outstanding player of the tournament. Um, well, Gr- uh, Griezmann. I mean, we, we, know, we know about him, but we thought of him as a striker. Mm. Barcelona paid 100 million for him, thinking they were going to get a striker. 
They never and, tried and, him in and this And he was role. officially kind of a flop. He was considered a flop. He was a flop. He was one of those that, uh, along with Dembele um, and uh, Coutinho, that led them to the verge of bankruptcy. Uh, very much so, uh, Griezmann. Mm. But uh, reinvented himself, as Gog said, uh, in, a, in a different role, but he's back at Atletico Madrid. But Barcelona are probably wishing that they tried him in that role there. Then they might have got their 100 million's worth. But he's been outstanding. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. uh, for England, Saka and Bellingham. Let's not yeah. forget them. Outstanding. Finally, somebody mentioned Bellingham. I was, I was thinking, people, I forget. I, I, I want to catch Des's opinion on this one. As well. uh, Des, what, you've actually had the privilege of seeing these players um, in the flesh playing. And, and so, therefore, you can see them off the ball as much as on the ball. Uh, who, who's caught your eye as a really intelligent footballer and uh, you know, skillful? So um, in traditional Corkill manner, I'm going to ignore the question kind of cam. And uh, yeah, ahead, it, it's, not an in, it's not an individual that uh, really impressed me. It's the team ethic. And the best teams have made it through to the latter stages. And your Moroccos, those, those who played as a unit, the, the number of times where the players are moving as one, it's almost like a um, shoal of fish sometimes that you don't quite see on the, on, the, on the television. But one player goes forward and people are, are filling in behind them to make sure that the shape remain, remains the same, um, which I'm, I'm always a big fan of the team ethic over the individual. And those who've got the best teams in Argentina and know that Messi isn't going to do the work, so they adjust to him. France have got an incredible team ethic. The way they push up together, that creates opportunities for Mbappe and Dembele. Griezmann fits in where he needs to. When they needed to defend against Morocco, he dropped back in. So that team ethic is the thing that's really struck me, as well as the, the sheer fitness of these guys. The, the, I'm going to use the word again, the physicality. The, the, the specimens who are out there in this World Cup have been a, a joy to behold. They're, they're incredibly, incredibly fit and athletic. And then those who have that ability, like a Messi, just to do something a little bit different, have been the um, have been uh, the, the key to the teams like Argentina and, get, and France getting through. But it's the it's the, the the team ethic that I'm delighted to say has come through in this, and hopefully coaches can go back and say, look, that's what shape is. That's what a left back has to do when a right winger has the ball. And uh, I've enjoyed watching that. I've been lucky enough to see 15 games live, and it's been um, it's been great. It's like a whole coaching education. Wow, fifteen games. I mean, I mean, uh, that would not have been possible in Russia, say. <laughs> it, it, that's one of the big assets of of the single state um, uh, World Cup. It really has been very, very unique. Mm. Uh, next year, next time, we've got Mexico, Canada, and United States. The experience I, of being I, able to get here is impossible. They all get automatic spots. Then all three get automatic spots. Yeah, well, there's forty eight teams, so they um, everybody yeah, get there. they probably will. Oprah Winfrey World Cup. You're all in the World Cup. Um, <laughs> Gogolin, uh flops. Teams, uh, who are perhaps we flops and perhaps lessons learned. So, for instance, I think Spain, someone calculated, they did 3,500 3, passes and scored, I don't know, like one goal. Um, possession football isn't necessarily the way to go. A lot of teams are just saying, here, you go ahead, take the ball. No, there is possession football, but you need to have end product to the possession football. Spain is is famously the end product is not there. But if you ask me, the biggest flop is I would say is Belgium, you know, then Germany, and then Spain, because uh, mm. these teams were you know a lot were made out of these teams, especially Belgium, you know, to finish up. And I think uh, 
there was a lot going on behind the scenes. I I was never a big fan of Martinez being appointed as their manager. And I think uh, I think he really screwed up that golden generation by appointing Martinez. But you know, what do I know? <laughs> no, you know that you knew that Argentina were going to be in the final. So <laughs> and and we know that that people listen to this show. Yes. <laughs> Um, so I think the Belgian FA will probably make making some changes. I think they put they put out an ad right for recruitment for the yes yes. I saw that somewhere. Are you applying? Yeah. yeah. Vin, Vincent Company should get that job. Vincent I, Company. He would be a shoe in. He's hey, he's doing he's doing great to, to Burnley. You mentioned Burnley earlier. Oh right. That's yeah. oh okay. In the Championship, he's got them top of the league. Oh oh, several words came together there that that just. Championship, Burnley. I'm sorry, I'm not ready. Um, Bob, Bob, uh, we're, we're wrapping up now, but there's talk about should Gareth Southgate leave the England job or not? And I am curious to think, to see, let's say he did leave, who on earth would take over? Well, that's it. That's exactly the uh, dilemma. You look around, who is there? I mean, if it was a Klopp or a Guardiola, you would you would jump at it. But there isn't. The only top manager who is available and who wants it is Thomas Tuchel. But, uh, you know, are they going to give it to another foreigner? I mean, we've gone down that route with uh, Sven Goran Eriksson and Fabio Capello, both disasters. Uh, Both had the golden generation or the twilight of it in Capello's case. Um, And it was decided, I think, pretty much then they'll never do this again. So we've had uh, we've had Roy Hodgson, Sam Allardyce, and uh, and uh, now Southgate. Now Southgate has, I mean, he took a poison chalice. I mean, we were rock bottom when he took over, but he did have the benefit of this great uh, England under seventeen team, which won the the World Cup. So he uh, he was lucky in that respect, and you see uh, three or four of them in the team now. So that's that's uh, quite something. He's managed to to bring those guys on because usually there's a there's a high casualty rate with those guys. You get these teen wonder boys, and the next thing you know, five years later, they're bricklayers or something, mm. you know. But but in this case, they're actually playing in the senior team. Uh, a lot of that is down to Southgate and the coaching setup and the St George's Park, the academy there, and everything. Um, so he's done great in that. He's fostered a great team spirit. Players like him, but they haven't won anything. I mean, he's got them. I mean, if you'd said that England would be in a final, a uh, and uh, semi final, and then a quarter final of the big tournaments, you would you would have said no way when he took over, and he's achieved that. So you got to give him credit for that. But and there is a but. They haven't won. They should have won the Euros. They should have won. Playing at home, almost every game was at home. Playing at home in the final, 1-0 up after two minutes, and you still don't win. You're never going to have a better chance. Mm. And I think it's his inherent caution that has cost England. I think if he'd gone for a second goal in that, instead of shutting up shot, England would have won that. Uh, No guarantee, of course. But, you know... This team, it was a bit more adventurous. He did take the handbrake off and was, you know, he was he was unlucky. I mean, it was a missed penalty. Who knows? They could have been in the final, but for that. Yeah. So a difficult one to answer. Very difficult one. I'd say if there was an outstanding candidate, yes, I would get rid of him. But there isn't. So I would I would keep him. 
I would yeah. keep him until there is. I, I've heard the argument made, and I am persuaded. Jose Mourinho. Is he available? Or Pochettino? I, I, no, I, I think Mourinho because he is just so toxic that <laughs> he would take the job. Um, okay, Des, as the sun um, uh, uh, descends slowly in the West, I think it does descend in the West, and uh, we say farewell to um, this World Cup soon, what's your lasting memory? You, you are there, and what will you take away as um, memories of uh, this World Cup? Uh, the venues. I think the venues have been absolutely sensational, all made for football venues. Yes, there's a, a vast amount of criticism going into it about the expense of it. But um, uh, the, the venues, when they're full, e- even when there's a couple of thousand seats not, not full, they have been sensational. The stands are steep. The atmosphere for the players to play in has been excellent. The Morocco fans and the Argentina fans have really, really added superb atmosphere inside the stadium. The pitches have been excellent. Um, I think the television coverage, from what I've seen, has been first class as well. And the fact that you can get to every venue really has made um, uh, the the, the souks and the the central areas a a true melting pot. You've got Croatians next to Moroccans, next to Argentines, uh, next to Ghanaians, and the Senegalese were noisy as well. So it's been a a festival of football, which FIFA did promise, despite all the criticisms that it's at the wrong time. The weather is Perfect for football. Uh, that's why it's in December. It's 20 degrees. So you, you haven't got the heat waves that people are, are worrying about. And um, I just love the colour of the of the stadiums and the venues. That that will stay with me for, forever. And we've, we've got two very, very good teams in the final. The football's been excellent. The venues have been excellent. The coverage has been excellent. Uh, the melting pot has been, has been great fun to be part of as well. Um, it, it's been a wonderful festival of football, just in the wrong month. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Well, uh, well. thank you, guys. Um, and uh, this will be the end of your World Cup stint. We'll have one more World Cup show. We'll see you next time. We're going to be talking about uh, Everton versus Wolverhampton Wanderers. I just looked it up. How exciting is that? <laughs> uh, and uh, that's, that is indeed actually the standout match of the weekend. <laughs> Uh, you really so, know how to hype up the week coming uh, I mean, shows, uh, Cap. Oh, God, I can't. You know, come on. Um, so, but enjoy the final and uh, see you soon. But for now, it's thank you to Bob Holmes. Thanks, everybody. Thank you to Gogolin. Vamos, Argentina. <laughs> and thank you to Des Corkill, who um, has sacrificed himself to be in Qatar uh, to um, watch all those World Cup matches for us. Uh, thank you, Des. My pleasure. Looking forward to Malaysia versus Myanmar on Wednesday, Brunei versus Thailand on Tuesday. The ASEAN Championship gets underway. That's next week as well. So really looking forward to that. Cool, cool. Uh, thank you. And see you, see you all soon uh, here on uh, Just for Kicks on BFM 89.9. For more football, tune in Mondays and Fridays at 8pm, just for kicks on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.